Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Some people have absolutely no business being left in charge. Sadly, those people are also named Dad. A few years ago, my first guest took the brave decision to give up a full-time job and be a stay-at-home dad. Thing is, there was already a stay-at-home mum, three monosyllabic teenage boys and a pathologically cheerful, explosively hormonal preteen girl at home. So what follows is a year of missteps and pratfalls as Dad does his best to survive it all. He decided to document this year at home in a hilarious book, Diary of a Wimpy Dad. I defy any parent to open this book and not relate to anything that is written here. From laugh out loud to sobs to laugh out loud again it really is a fantastic read I'm delighted to be joined by author and journalist David Diebold how are you doing David? Hey how are you? I'm okay. good I'm good Actually, just before just before you called I swear uh, I heard a scream my wife isn't in the house. I ran out. The dog was all caught up in our other kid's drum kit, chasing a starling that had got into the house, which was in the process of mincing some of the tomato plants my wife had just. So I've got some, oh, God, just literally, this would have, this could have happened while we were on the phone. So uh, welcome <laughs> to my life. If you think that anything in this book is made up, you just never know what's going to happen next. But uh, you don't. And, you know, I was I was up pretty much all night reading this. I mean, it's, you know, just fantastic. Uh, like from you trying to be cool at your son's 18th birthday party to trying to write something that will make your friends jealous on Facebook to having a sneaky Ferris Bueller style day off with your wife I got the book yesterday I'm nearly finished it unputdownable if that's a word I'm going to coin that word if it's not just such a brilliant read congratulations on it (laughs) (laughs) do feel free to because um, I'm laughing at this right because most of the parents will relate to pretty much all of what's in this book but um you know, you say that you've no business being in charge uh, and you know I couldn't agree more with this because in fact on this very day, last week on the show, we were discussing how chaotic dads are when it comes to putting small children particularly to bed. And I'm just wondering, 99% of the time, why is it that th- things seem to fall asunder around the house and routines go out the window when dads are in charge? <laughs> well, I, I know why it used to be. And um, I mean, it was particularly, uh, <laughs> made things particularly difficult for my wife when I was still working. Because when I, by the time I actually got home, it was almost their bedtime because, you know, all the kids were sort of a little bit sort of pre-teen or just in the cusp of teens, when, you know, when I was still working. Mm. So I was sort of making up for lost time, you know, and um, there's something about, <laughs> I think it's the same with all men or certainly uh, men that never grew up like me. There's something about a children's bedroom that just brings out the kid in me, especially when you sit on the floor to read the book, you know, and... Um, which I tend to find, I think, like a lot of parents, a little boring. So yeah. what I'll tend to do is uh, read it in some sort of strange accent. <laughs> so you'll have Crocodile Dundee reading Naughty, you know what I mean? Love it, um, yeah. <laughs> you're sort of entertaining yourself, but you're also, I mean, for me, I'd be making up for lost time. So uh, like you were giving the example there last week about the uh, 
um, the various kinds of music that sort of represents Yes, that, we were that talking about this. Yeah, if anyone missed this, by the way, you know, uh, last week basically what I was saying was when I put the, the kids to bed, it's all very like Enya. You know, it's nice and calm. When my husband does it, it's House of Pain, jump around. Yeah, we had this last yeah. week. Yeah. I'm with him. I'm with him on that one. House of Pain all the way. Jump around. <laughs> but, you know, you said you're making up for, for lost time, but I have to admit, you know, this is for somebody that's in a kind of a, you know, a fairly steady, um, job you know it's like it kind of I can't imagine just kind of going okay I'm going to step away from this and be at home with the kids that was quite a brave decision to make did you panic when you did it initially I, I it was I well I you know I did talk it over with my wife because I thought it might not be a good idea just to show up um, some morning um, uh, back from the train and go you know what this isn't working I'm not going back uh, what are we going to do today? Um, so we did have a couple of chats about that. And, um, you know, then I talked it through with my boss. Um, things were going okay. I had no money. I didn't leave with anything in the bank. Mm. Um, but we sort of figured between my wife and myself that if I worked as hard for us, um, you know, in our own time, on our own terms, as I was working for someone else, uh, in a national newspaper, as it happened at the time, um, then we we wouldn't do bad. Yeah, we wouldn't do badly. And I think she also recognised that um, I was missing out uh, on the the kids' lives because I was gone for fourteen hours a day. Mm. Um, it was a very demanding desk editor commissioning role, and um, you were. Um, getting live newspapers out every day and talking to people all afternoon. And I was missing all that. All I was hearing about was at the end of the day, um, uh, if I made dinner, it was dinner time or most of the time bedtime, I was hearing about the days that they had. And I felt that um, I just wanted to be a part of that. And I think my wife realized that if I was there, um, however um, inept I, I might be from just lack of experience of dealing with certain household crises that uh, arise hour by hour, um, at least she'd get a break, you know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, and very soon she uh, made the brave decision to leave me in charge for a few days at a time and uh, even a week once. My God, how I know. I didn't burn the place down. You didn't, you didn't. But you know, you opened the book with the eldest son's birthday parties turning 18 and this for me was perhaps the most scary aspect of the book because my eldest is 15 and I really got the sense that you felt like he was growing up all too fast. You maybe felt a little bit disconnected from him and uh, you know, just sort of that idea that you just want to freeze time. So what was it like for you when, you, when he finally reached that milestone? Well, we, we um, the way that that whole um, sort of chapter opens up, chapter figuratively and, and, and literally um, of, of our lives, I was just home at that point, and he was turning 18, and we went to the supermarket market because he was going to have some friends by. The deal was that if we bought a little bit of beer uh, for mm. him and his mates, we stayed home. And he said, well, the deal is if you stay home, you stay in the playroom while we while we take over the rest of the, the ground floor of the house, you know. Um, so that's what we did. We were stuck in the playroom, and I was sort of listening at the door, and I'm like, you know, giving my wife updates, saying, oh, now, now someone's picked up a guitar. Someone's playing the guitar. Someone's picked up the maracas. They're having a little jam. And she's like, oh, just just go out and, and pretend to get something from the fridge. You know you want to. So I suddenly go out into the hallway in my band tour T-shirt, my Clash t-shirt. Love um, it. Which, 
which is so uncool to the kids, you know. And, uh, as I'm going down the corridor through people, you know, people are kind of going, hello, hello, Mr. Diebold, hello, hello. And I realize that I'm the party killer because as I approach, everyone stops talking until I sort of go into the room where the little jam is happening. And one of them puts down the guitar really quickly and says, sorry, sorry. And I just thought, oh, God, what am I doing? Everyone, as you were, as you were, <laughs> got what I needed, went back to the sitting room. And my wife was like, did they not let you join the jam session then? <laughs> no, they no. didn't at all. No. And this is just one of many stories and ways that you embarrass your kids. We're, we're talking about this because we're going to give away the book and people are messaging in about uh, embarrassing stories, embarrassing ways that they've um, uh, you know, embarrassed their children. Uh, we have Jan who left an I love you note in her son's lunchbox, which was discovered, of course, for the, for, by somebody in the class. Uh, his first day in secondary school, can we just add oh. as well. Uh, you have great moments like this, but tell me the story about your own father embarrassing you in the most comical something out of a John Hughes movie way tell me about this (laughs) if we're talking about the same one and I'll keep my um, language um, yes watershed (laughs) um, we had this banged up old VW Beetle um, when I was a kid this one you're talking about and my dad painted it bright orange with gloss paint from a bucket and with a bucket and brush and then painted little sort of go faster stripes along the side. It was the most embarrassing little thing you've ever seen. But I was late for school one morning, like really late. And I can't remember why I needed to get there so quick, but I was, I was freaking out. And he said, get in the car, I'll drive you. And the, he had sort of hit some, uh, the gate post at one point. So you couldn't get in the passenger door. You had to, someone had to sort of let you in, uh, wrestle with the door for a minute. So we got to the school and all the way up the street to the school, I was begging him to let me out. Just let me out here. Just let me out here. And he's going, no, 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 no. And he drove right up to the gate where all the cool kids were hanging out. Oh, no. Got, got out of the car to let me out <laughs> wearing his dressing gown and nothing underneath. And a little gust of wind sort of, um, well, it resulted in a, in a cheer. A cheer went up. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I told this story at his wake and his <laughs> memorial service. Um, and I think someone passed out. Um, I'm not joking. That actually happened. And, and I, 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 I did, in fact, read that. That story um, I had written down um, <clears throat> for some future use years before he died. And I did read it to him. And he, and he said, that never happened. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Believe me. It That's happened. True. It's etched I, into I your can mind. Show you the, I could show you the scars, except they're all on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's some heartbreaking moments as well, David. And, you know, I have an overactive tear duct, OK, at the best of time. But I sobbed my way through your final conversation with your mum. I don't think I've read anything as beautiful, tender and heartbreaking at the same time. Was that difficult to relive for the book? Ah, uh, yeah. Look, I mean, um, I relive, I think, as, as anyone who's lost uh, parents or anyone close to them, you, you re- relive these la- final conversations over and over in your mind of what you should have said, of what you could have said. And, you know, I think what I've learned in retrospect is there is no right thing or wrong yeah. thing to, to have said. In this case, uh, she called um, and I thought, uh, you know, at the time she was living in the States. So she was, you know, we were quite far apart. Yeah. And when it, whenever she called, um, we generally didn't really have much to sort of talk about you know um because we you know we just sort of talk about the weather yeah um which was the big sort of thing and you know it was the most important thing in a in a 
70 or early 80s person's life is like, what's the weather like today? So that's what we would talk about. And I just thought this was no exception. What I didn't realize was that she had asked for the phone and was in a hospital bed. Uh, and she had an aneurysm in her chest that had burst. And she was basically um, just waiting. Um, it was the final mm. hours, minutes counting down. And we had this ridiculous conversation about the weather that um, my daughter was on her way home from school and maybe she was going to have someone for dinner tonight. I was trying to figure out what to cook. So I never got around to saying anything profound or important and yeah. neither did she. Um, she just said, OK, well, I better let you go. But it was such, the way you write it, it, it was like, I know for you it mightn't have been profound or important, but it just seems so special and, and lovely, that, that conversation that you had. And I just wanted to kind of mention it because it's so, so well captured and written. I can see you there on the phone. I have, well, I guess I have the image. I you know. up, once I hung up, I sort of paced around the room for a minute and I was, I was, I was actually saying out loud, please tell me that wasn't what I thought it was. Mm. Please tell me. And someone called a few minutes later. It might have been a few minutes, might have been half an hour, but they they said she was gone, and 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 that was sort of it. And, and what I did for for the rest of that piece, I'm remembering the um, the funny things that we did. Yeah, you know how how when I if I woke up scared in the middle of the night when I was seven years old, I can remember her coming downstairs with me and us turning on the gas ring and huddling around to keep warm and having custard creams and, and milk, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like conspiratorially, like we were having a little campfire. Or yeah. And all the, all the little things that, that we do together uh, sort of came back to me. And I think, yeah, that's the most important thing. Really. That is the most important thing to, to remember. It really is. Um, I, I could talk to you all day, but I have to ask you this. What advice would you have for any man listening in who think they might like to not work for a year and spend time at home with the kids? <laughs> well, first off, I mean, there's no, there's no uh, such thing as not working. Yeah. Um, um, because I, well, I did have to do, um, I did have to have a bit of a plan, when, which for me, I was lucky enough, it was writing. Yeah. And it was writing about um, what, what I knew, which was sort of the things that were happening around me. It was haunting the parenting pages with um, sort of um, unlikely parenting advice. Uh, yeah. As I'm sort of doing now with Diary of a Wimpy Dad. Um, but my advice, I suppose, would be to, you know, um, talk it over, have a plan, but don't be scared. Um, I decided that at a certain point, not being wealthy or not even, you know, possibly even being able to afford to go away or uh, or possibly even uh, facing the, uh, the prospect of struggling to make uh, payments, uh, that all those things were less important to me than the four children uh, in my life that I hadn't really been a part of, mm. um, that that I now had the opportunity to to see them. Um, and now the 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 word blossom is is a bit of a cliche, but they really were changing and turning into into grown ups. And and what I found, what I took away from that, and you know, we're a few years on again since that book, yeah, that book sort of took place. Um, uh, but you know, that now. Um, Certainly, even in Diary of the Wimpy Dad, what I discovered was that, that my kids are smarter um, uh, and, and better in so many ways than I am, which 
I guess I needed to know. I sort of knew it, but I needed to know. You needed myself. to. You needed to have that reaffirmed. I'm getting a message here from Dora in Balbriggan. Thank you so much, Dora. She says, uh, "I did read your column, David. This is uh, in the paper. I'm going straight to the shop now to purchase the book. He's absolutely great. Listen, you can't get better than that, David. No. Listen, thank you so so much for joining me on the show. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, best of luck with the book. Thanks a million. Yeah.